0: The uh, scripture for today, Uh, there's two parts, uh, both coming from the book of Philippians. So, from Philippians 3, verses 4b through 11, and then Philippians 2, verses 1 through 8. So, Philippians 3, 4b through 11. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And then Philippians 2, 1 through 8. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus.
1: Some years ago, the commercials for medications changed a bit. I don't know if you noticed the change in some of them, but what happened was they did a regulatory move to cause all of the pharmaceuticals that were selling medications to also list the potential side effects. But you will notice when you see these commercials how active and creative the visuals are and how great the benefits are. And then at the very end they'll go, but can cause you know heart problems, death, so and so <laughs> lists all of the, the terrible things that could happen, but it minimizes them so much that it just kind of throws them in there because they have to. That's really the story of faith and life in general for us. It's the battle that people have in following God and serving. The battle is that so many people want the crown without the cross. They want the benefits without any of the cost of it and weighing it. And I think that that is something that we can see that started at the very beginning. After Adam and Eve disobeyed God for the first time and sin entered the world, it it didn't take long for them to begin looking after number one. You'll see it in their response. Self-interest and self-preservation and self-care and self-privilege started to become part of the thinking. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden in Genesis 3.8. Adam didn't assist Eve. She really wasn't concerned about him either. Both of them got busy and made their little coverings, um, and uh, they attempted to hide from the Lord God. Now, think about this. You're going to try and hide from God, uh, but they did. And to this day, this is what some would say is the way, uh, the way that uh, Swindall worded it was that this has become one of the most popular games that's still popular today. Which is hiding from God. Essentially shielding from anything that would be the bad result of something we've done. But even more than that, you see the DNA of the problem Christians have emerging in the way that they dealt with it. So they were confronted. And the Lord said, "Uh, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. He was afraid because he knew what he had done was wrong. But he didn't stop there. He said, well, it was the woman's fault. It was Eve's fault. And Eve says, well, it wasn't me. It was the serpent's fault. It was satan's fault and the passing on of responsibility and here you have the dna of the problem we have when we start to talk about humility everybody wants the crown the blessing and, and satan had promised them well you will be like god knowing good and evil and it it's pleasing to the eye and it's good for food oh, well, here's all the good things. But back then, there weren't regulations on the commercials. Uh, there weren't regulations on, on what they had to, Satan had to, didn't have to also list the bad results of it, which was ultimately separation from God. Swindoll says, the pattern hasn't changed, has it? Since the original scene, the history of humanity is smeared with the ugly marks of selfishness unwilling to be authentic we hide we deny we lie we run we escape anything but the whole truth we ridicule we dominate we criticize we cut a person to ribbons with our words and then we develop ways to keep from admitting it here are a few he says i'm not dogmatic i'm just sure of myself I'm not judging. I'm discerning. I'm not argumentative. I'm simply trying to prove a point. I'm not stubborn, just confident. These are all ways that we try to justify and and deal with not dealing with our sin. And so uh, we go back and look at the issue of of, of humility because because what we aren't understanding is that humility isn't just a groveling, oh, you're so much better than me. It's not a, a cheap humility. It's a costly humility. Why? Because it's intended for a specific purpose. And the whole point of the teaching in Scripture is to help us understand how Humility actually is functional for us to get to the joy that God intends for us, to get to the love, to get to the, to, to the happy times, to get to the celebration times, to get to the times of peace and rest. They're there for us. Let's look at a few passages, Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. Galatians 5.13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through through love serve one another. Hebrews ten twenty four. Let us consider how to encourage one another to love and good deeds. There's this balance of humility that is authentic. It's not to be confused with incompetence or a lack of self esteem. Swindell goes on to talk about humility is not the same as inferiority. That's not what God is establishing. What God is trying to establish is that you're going to feel good about yourself and you're going to feel like you are worth something and that there's something valuable for you to accomplish on your journey through this world if you understand who you are in relation to God. Ultimately, the entire sermon on humility and joy is humility is the way to the true and authentic and everlasting, eternal sense of joy and peace with God. And so it is not simply this idea that we have to beat ourselves up. Uh, We have to, and I know I've used this illustration before, it comes to mind. You know, there there were certain sects of religious people over the years that felt like they were actually more valuable and more um, righteous by punishing their bodies, by punishing themselves. They were called ascetics. And there was one group of ascetic monks called the pillar monks. And there was one in particular I remember reading. So this is the kind of story that got me hooked on history. Was there was a, a pillar monk by the name of Simon Stylites. I don't know if I pronounced that name right or not but he was a pillar monk they would build these pillars that would be 25-30 feet up off the ground and they would go up on these pillars and they basically would stay there fasting and praying for days now I won't get into some of the imagery that comes to mind as a result of being on top of a pillar for that many days. But it was punishing themselves as if somehow that was bringing greater glory to God, as if somehow that was the embodiment of biblical humility to punish themselves for that. And and Simon, the, the history books write it this way. He was known to have reeked with vermin. Now that is disgusting. (laughs) Um, But how we, we can look at that and go, okay, I think the desire of their hearts was to be faithful in serving God. But the idea that we have to somehow punish ourselves and... You know that and that 's different than being disciplined, but that idea that you don't take care of the body or that somehow that that 's what you know grovelling in dirt and everything else is somehow a greater value you 're somehow glorifying God more there aren 't too many people you 're going to share the gospel with if you reek with vermin <laughs> that 's just the reality of it, but the point here is that humility was a function of the heart, not just the external. And so this whole idea that the Bible calls us to humility is not being less than or beating yourself up or constantly feeling like you are inferior. It's actually a freedom. And that was what it said in Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom. And, and in Luke 17, 34, 33 and 34, it says, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. So this is upside down, right? This is what some talk about as the upside down kingdom. It doesn't quite make sense to this world because it's, it seems backwards. And if you believe that, then Jesus was backwards, Jesus dined with sinners and the people that were broken, the people that were lost. Jesus had the power to change his situation and didn't use it. He went through taking the cross knowing that the crown was coming. And that is how we correctly understand in a series on joy, we understand that joy comes through accepting who we are as a people of grace. And um there's there's a call for humility in these passages. Notice that that in what was read uh actually in, in Philippians two one eleven, in verses one and two there it said, uh, then make my joy complete, Paul says By being like-minded, having the same love, one in spirit and of one mind. In other words, be the same as Christ was. Because it doesn't make sense what Christ did. He didn't defend himself when he could have. He could have called armies of angels to come and slay anybody who would lay a hand on him. And he didn't because he humbled himself to the cross on the way. To the crown. Um, you know, we, you've heard many stories of people that, that think they're all that, right? And you can get to be feeling pretty superior. So there was a young preacher who stepped into the pulpit one time, so confident, so sure of themselves, and, and, and there was almost an arrogance about this young pastor. And his sermon just flopped. It was very obvious. It just was, was not going anywhere, and it didn't land anywhere. Uh, and so a man told him afterwards, um, he said, you know, if you had gone up there the way you came down, you would have come down the way you went up. Now think that one through. It's that upside down that the way that we find joy and peace and love is by humbling ourselves before our maker, our redeemer, our sustainer, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by submitting to that, it changes everything for us. And, uh, and in the passage uh, that was read, It said that Jesus being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Some uh, of the interpretations use the word grasp. He didn't see it as something to take on or to grasp. In other words, he emptied himself of it. And see, this is so countercultural. You're going to go out all week And you're going to listen and you're going to watch the commercials. Today, you're going to see all kinds of of interesting commercials, creative commercials, if you happen to be watching the game. And if you aren't, you'll see the same old ones that you've seen 20 times before. You're going to be filled with a culture that keeps telling you this is not a true message that I give you this morning but wrestle with scripture and what it means to be like-minded with Christ who gave himself up. He made himself nothing, it says, to take the very nature of a servant, to be made in human likeness and to be found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so giving up control of something we never had, does have results. See, that's the, that's the lie to Adam and Eve. It gives us the idea that we're in control and we command our destiny, and it's a lie. But if when we give up control of something that we never had control of, it changes something within us. First of all, it frees us from bondage. If we're going to struggle to be worthy and valued and loved and lovable, and we're going to do that on our own, we're going to always be behind. We'll never catch up and get in front of that. And um, we, it, it frees us from perfectionism frees us from the worries and fears. The reason we worry and fear all the time is because we want to control the outcomes instead of giving that up and let God do his work and and let the Lord lead and let the Holy Spirit work all that details out. I'm just called to be faithful. In Philippians 3, 1-4 just before the, the, uh, what was read, uh, what Doug read this morning in the first couple of verses of that chapter. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. So apparently he'd written this to them before. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs, those evildoers, the mutilators of the flesh. Uh, for it is we who are the circumcision who serve God by his spirit. What he's referring to here is that people were basically saying, you will be saved if you do this, 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 and this. If you follow all of the laws, then you'll be saved. That's righteousness. Your righteousness will be by how perfect you are in behaving. And if, you, if that's your approach, you never need grace. Grace. You don't need the forgiveness of God. You just simply either accept judgment or be perfect. And you know that that's not where we're at as humans. We live in that in-between gap. And so um, we're, we're freed from bondage by giving up control to God. Secondly, it enables us to accept the grace that is freely offered. We don't deserve it. Um, But we can experience forgiveness as a gift when we give up control. And it restores us in a relationship with God. In Psalm 51, Nathan has just visited David and convicted him of his adulterous act with Bathsheba. And in that confrontation, David breaks down. And he acknowledges his sin before God. And he says, after confessing his sin and acknowledging it, he says in 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Accepting God's grace is an act of humility. Because we don't control it and we don't deserve it. Um, what is it that the the one uh, financial guy always says? How you somebody says how you doing? Better than I deserve. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I don't deserve it, but it's still offered. Third, giving up control enables us to appreciate and to be able to be thankful. And we are thankful when we commit ourselves to scriptures and to the reading of the Bible, the memorizing of the Bible and the living of the word and to commit to the relationships. And so this sense of community, somebody just asked me recently that was visiting, they said, is there something going on that I don't know about here? Because why do your people stay around and talk so much? Why, why do people just keep talking? And I, my answer to them was because, because we, we're more than just a church. We're a community of faith. We share. We're involved in each other's lives. We pray for each other. We support each other. We try to embody the, the church of, of, of acts. We welcome people because we want to share the good news of Jesus Christ with whoever we can. And we get to know each other so that we can, can better understand and walk alongside. And, and and if you have not experienced that, please let us know. We have to always keep getting better at that walk. But we aren't just a building. We're a people of faith. You can take away this building and I will be standing in that field out there. Uh, I don't know if Doug will be, uh, he'll, he'll be with me. He has to. We'll be preaching whether you walk in through the corner or not. Can you think about it? We're a community of faith to build each other up and encourage each other in the faith not because we deserve it, but because we have been graced by the gift of Jesus humbling himself even to the cross. What an incredible gift that was given. And so we, we, when we come to accept that, we start to appreciate more and more what Jesus has done for us. Also, giving up control empowers us to be able to love and to serve others. One way of saying it is this, um, that until we, it's clear to us about humility. And let's look at the example of Peter. I'm telling you, Peter was a guy who absolutely fought against anything about humility. He didn't get what Jesus was teaching about the mission that, that of, of sharing the good news with others. He was always wanted to take control. Peter always wanted to say, No, Lord, this will never happen to you. I will cut the guy's ear off. I will, I will, I will reject submission. And Jesus made it very clear to Peter. And we see this when we when we read the the letters that Peter wrote. And we see this change after the, you know, and even denying Jesus three times. And we see this change in Peter because what he finally got was that it was through humility that the power of God works and moves in people's lives. And when he finally got that, look at how effective he was in the early church in building people up. And preaching discipline preaching humility, preaching about submission to God. That submission, I can't control the outcome. I can only control the ability to operate in a loving and Christ-like way. And Peter finally got it, praise God. I just love that transformation. He'd be one of the persons that you, you know, I most want to just talk to and, and say, you know, tell me more about all that you went through in that transformation. But for Peter, it empowered him to then love and to serve God's purpose. And and that's one of the struggles that we also have is sometimes we don't do what we can do. Sometimes we try to do more than we can do. And in that, go back and look up the prayer of serenity. God grant us the serenity of mind. To accept that which we can't change, the courage to change what we can change, and the wisdom to know one from the other, to know the difference between the two. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, amen. What a great prayer for us to do what we can do and let God do the rest. A fifth thing, giving up control helps us grow trust and confidence in God's outcomes so the outcome changes from what we want it to be to be able to be an outcome that God wants it to be. Uh, I know many of you have been watching sports. And whenever we watch sports or any other competitions, um, at the hospital the other day, we are on, on the TV in the waiting area where we were uh, on Friday morning, there was this ice skating competition. I really couldn't hear it. I wasn't listening to it. But I make a, I'm just going to make a confession. I hate ice skating competitions. <laughs> I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. But... And here's why I hate it. Not because I don't like the artistry and appreciate what they're doing. It's incredible. But every time, and this happened, we're sitting there... And I just said out loud, that's why I hate watching this stuff. Because they did some big twirl and up in the air jump and came down and wiped out across the ice. And I'm thinking, you know, that was probably two years or maybe even four years of training for that event and suddenly it's dashed in one mistake. Now, aren't you glad that we serve a God that does not sit there and say well come back and apply for grace in 4 years go back to your training for another 20 seasons and you know and if you never win the championship you never win the gold medal you know it's all worthless no we have a god that says when you humble yourself you will be lifted up that's what what it says in scripture and, and James i believe it is Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's not dependent upon my mistakes. It's dependent upon the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we not only are, are loving, caring to others, but we grow in our confidence about God's outcomes. That's, that's the other one. When we give up control, we, we learn to walk with God and have a confidence Not in our victory, but in what God's doing through our faithfulness. And finally, uh, giving up control gives victory and joy in being overcomers. And so, um, thank God often and always. Confess your sins regularly. Be ready to accept humiliations. Yes, I said it. Jesus did. And so we are called to accept the humiliation of this world for the sake of the kingdom of God. Don't worry about status. Have a sense of humor to be able to laugh at your mistakes. Listen to others, ask questions, consider others before yourself, uh, and, and remember this, the Lord will lift you up as you turn and are faithful in that. In Philippians 2, 9, 11 It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I'll close with this. Robin Roberts writes about a fourth grade class in which the teacher introduced a game called the balloon stomp. We used to do this in youth group. How many of you have ever done the balloon stomp? You tie a balloon to your ankles, everybody does, and the game is that you you go and you try and stomp everybody else's balloon out, but keep yours from popping. Well, a few of the children would cling to the sidelines, so. Uh, they would be like wallflowers at, at the middle school dance, but their balloons were doomed just the same. Somebody would come over and pop them. And the, with this class, the entire battle was over in, a, in just a, a few seconds, leaving only one balloon inflated. The owner, of course, was the most disliked kid in the class because they won. And it's, hardly, uh, it's hard to really win at a game like Balloon Stomp. In order to complete your mission, you have to be pushy and rude and offensive and aggressive and mean. That's what this world says it is to win. That's what this world says is going to be joy, and it's never joy. Roberts goes on to write about a second class that was introduced to the same game, only this time it was a class of mentally handicapped, mentally challenged children. They were given the same explanation as the first class, and the signal was give, was, to begin was given. But the game went very different. Perhaps the instructions were given too quickly for the children, and they couldn't grasp them. The one idea that got through was that the balloons were supposed to be popped, right? And so it was the balloons, not the other... It was the balloons, not the other players, that were viewed as the enemies. Instead of fighting each other, they began helping each other pop the balloons. One little girl knelt down and held her balloon carefully in place like a holder for a field goal kicker. And a little boy came over and and stomped it flat. She held it there for him. And then he knelt down and held his balloon for her. And it went on like this for several minutes until all the balloons were vanquished and everybody cheered because everybody won. The upside down kingdom of God, the incredible nature of giving up that we might gain together. That incredible notion that Jesus in humbling himself to the cross won not only for himself the crown of glory, but wins for all of us. Oh, how they taught a lesson and a wisdom that we need to hear today. That we might be the true people of the way of Jesus Christ and his cross and that we might be lifted up and given the joy that God intends for us to have. Amen.